The following is a Joel Mahalik production. The following episode of the Joel Mahalik Show takes place between 8 p.m. and 9 p.m. Everybody and welcome to the Joel Mahalik Show. Thanks for stopping by. Hey, we're happy to see you on this very uh, warm week and weekend of May. Finally, some warmer weather is coming, which is nice ahead of the holiday weekend here in the United States of America. And I mention that because we are a, we're a global. We're, we're, we're a global show. So anyway, um, yes, welcome. So this is uh, the Joel Mahalik Show, as I said, which is good because that means I came in the right door. And you can reach us online at jmtalk.net. Again, that's jmtalk.net. You can also get us on Facebook at jmtalk and on Twitter at jmtalkradio. Various places that you can get a hold of us. You can also drop us an email at joelmaholicradio at gmail.com. And you can also send your text thoughts to the to us. Uh, may or may not reach the podcast. 484-429-6061. 484-429-6061. So that's how you can do all of those things. When you get to the website, feel free, if you can't wait for the following week, just tune into the 24-7 stream of The Joel Mahalik Show. Uh, you can also subscribe to the podcast there, and uh, that way you don't miss an episode. So, uh, being that it is May, and it's warmer, and also this week, the 18th to the 24th of May, is National Safe Boat Safe Boating Week. And, you know, this has always been a very important uh, week for for us here at the network uh, because we're boaters. So National Boats uh, Safe Boating Week is the actual term. National Safe Boating Week has always been very near and dear to our hearts. And because we're ahead of the holiday, we thought this would be a good opportunity to do a couple things. One, a flashback to the old days of the, of the Behind the Mic show. And present some information on boat safety before you head out for that big weekend. Because the next time that Sharon and I will be able to talk to you is going to be during the holiday weekend. And damn it, we want you to be safe. And so we're going to do a flashback. It serves, uh, it serves the purpose of giving you some more of the, uh, of the quality interviews and stuff that we did. Uh, back in the old days. Two, it's going to give you some tips for safe boating. Uh, and, of course, like everything else, it was very lightheartedness. And we spoke to the guys at the Dundalk Power Squadron in Dundalk, Maryland. So these are the guys that you will meet uh, during this presentation. And hopefully you uh, you get something from it. If you're in this locale of Delaware, Maryland, you can certainly look them up. They do a lot of work with uh, safe boating and helping with uh, boat inspections, as you know, the United States Coast Guard Auxiliary does that as well. 
Um, and so this, so this is what we're doing on the show this week. So that will that will mean that we will uh, preempt uh, our wombat of the week and our hero to next week, which again is the holiday weekend. But that's why you want to subscribe to the show. You want to subscribe so you don't miss episodes, so you can get them on your mobile device. And with today's Bluetooth radios in the cars, you download it to your mobile device and listen to it in your car like I do. I listen to this podcast and a handful others in my car on Bluetooth. It's amazing. It is amazing. So uh, so I'm going to I'm going to bow out and I'm going to transfer you to the Joel Mahalik of yesterday from the Behind the Mic show as he presents you with National Safe Boating Week and the guys from Dundalk Power Squadron. And I'll be back later on to wrap the show up. I'll see you then. So, uh, without further ado, uh, let me tell you who we have uh, here uh, in the remote studio we're hooked up to here. Uh, We have uh, several members of the Dundalk Power Squadron. Uh, We have John Hall, past commander. Uh, We have Brooks Riley, past commander. Uh, Bernie Carper's past commander and uh, lieutenant and also licensed captain Tony Seleski. I mean, this is royalty as far as I'm concerned uh, when we're talking about safe boating. So please welcome uh, all these gents from the Dundalk Power Squadron. Good evening, everybody. Good evening, Mike. Good evening. How are you? Good doing? evening. Good evening. Doing well. Doing well. Um, well, it's National Safe Boating Week, and uh, I guess this is a pretty busy time of year for you guys. Yes, it is. Every uh, every weekend in, in uh, boating season is a busy time for all of us. But this is the time we want to emphasize the fact that if you boat, you should boat safely because boating is fun. It really is. And we're going to talk about how much fun boating is tonight. Absolutely. But I was I was thinking because, this, as I was saying, this is our fifth year doing this with you guys. And we've uh, along the way we picked up listeners upon listeners and networks upon networks. And I thought one of the, a good first way to start something we've I don't think we've ever done before is to have just a, a brief history of the United States Power Squadrons and uh, you know what they do and how they were formed, et cetera. Okay, uh, let me uh, try and give you some information about that. Um, in 1914. Uh, a bunch of people had some ethereal ideas about putting uh, uh, motors in small boats. And it was uh, led by a gentleman by the name of Roger Upton, who was a member of the Boston Yacht Club. And he was sort of frustrated because when he made his annual summer cruise to New York, he would be becalmed. So he took a small sailboat and he put a motor in it to tow his larger sailboat. And that way he could at least get to New York. And... Um, that idea spread in his yacht club, and then in the uh, New York area, the New York Yacht Club uh, developed the same idea. So we had two two yacht clubs with a section which they designated as squadrons, and um, they developed a special flag uh, to designate which boats belong to the power squadron of the yacht club, and this idea uh, took fruition. And came and gave birth to a network of squadrons within yacht clubs in 1915. So uh, originally, it was a bunch of guys who liked to boat, and they got together. So didn't, and you know, we were power boaters only originally. Now we're sailboaters and power boaters. 
And it didn't start off as a safe boating organization. It started off as a boating organization. And, and uh, we, what we did as the, the power boaters, what they did is they developed uh, courses and operation of boats, how to handle and dock the boats. And then with, with uh, the advent of the application of a motor, the boats could go when they wanted to go and they could go where they wanted to go. And so then the idea of seamanship came about, navigation came about, and um, gradually it developed as an educational organization. But wasn't there a call to action during the war that really yes. brought them into the fold? Yeah. When World War One uh, developed, uh, uh, Roger Upton uh, was a friend of Franklin Roosevelt who had been down to see how uh, sailboats operated, how powerboats operated. He was very impressed. And um, in World War I, half the members received direct commissions in the United States Navy. Now, they're not in the combat branch, but they were in the, uh, they were in the transportation operations and, operations and planning. And um, as they went through this, they freed up a lot of naval officers for more active duty in the combat roles. And to some degree, the same thing happened in World War II. Right. A number of uh, a number of the squadron members with advanced courses received direct commissions as naval officers. Well, the, the power squadron was called upon to teach navigation for naval officers because they they needed officers like crazy, and they didn't have anybody to teach the navigation. And the power squadron was there with people who were teaching navigation. Mm-hmm. So. You know, instead of teaching it at the Naval Academy, they were, okay, you go to the power squad, and they're going to teach you how to navigate, and we're going to put you on a ship. And for many years, the United States Naval Academy did use the basic courses in navigation and seamanship to introduce the incoming classes on the idea of how to boat, how to navigate the boats, how to uh, chart and how to be safe when it came to the water, to being and, on the water. So, so we started as a boating organization, and we have Tony here as a perfect example. And then as soon as you start boating, you go, well, that guy doesn't know what he's doing. we got to teach him what to right. do. Exactly. In 2003, that's when I, was, I got involved, in, and it eroded to what it's known as today. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't call it erosion, Tony. I would call it a... Evolution. But, uh, evolution, yes, that's yeah, a good it word. It manifested into yeah. what it is. Well, sorry, you have progressed, and, yes, and you are now a licensed, certified captain. That is correct. Yes, sir. And, uh, and that's good. And it, I'm very proud of that, but it's all uh, to do with uh, what I learned at Dundalk, because when I went to take the captain's test, the U.S. Coast Guard captain's test, uh, what I learned with the Power Squadron was more more than, than uh, substantial and really prepared me. It was... Uh, the squadron really gives you what you need to be oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah, we don't want to give we don't want to give the listeners or anybody else the wrong idea about power squadron. There are many kinds of power. Uh, most of the power squadron people are power boaters and mechanical power. Uh, I myself am a sailor, but there are people that use their own personal power, kayakers, rowers, mm-hmm. uh, people who uh, just go out and canoe. Well, one of the one of the uh, groups of people that we're interested in are the uh, hunters and the fishermen. Yes, and if and if you look at uh, the uh, accident death rates uh, in the water, believe it or not, most of the drownings and and deaths occur between November and April 
And the principal reason is because of cold water immersion and hypothermia, which when you're out on the boat, nobody thinks about that. But right now, it's a very dangerous time. The water temperature is 55 to 65 degrees. Your survival uh, in that water is less than a half an hour. And, and the length of the boat. The, the actuaries are 24 feet and under. Right. Uh, they're more vulnerable. Uh, and and that, that's... That's the focus, I think, with the jet skis. Sure. They're more vulnerable. So the squadron has evolved over the years that we want everybody to be safe boating and have fun boating. And so we're an all-volunteer organization. Guys put in hundreds of hours per year to get the word out there, to help the novice boater, to help the experienced boater think of something maybe they didn't think of, and to have fun on the water because, you know, if you're – you know, you're out on the water and you're listening to a rescue call on the radio. Well, it's kind of hard to have a good time, even though you're not involved. Well, something well, went wrong. Let me take it. Let me take it to another level. I just finished being uh, a term as the district commander for the Mid-Atlantic States of the United States Power Squadron. As such, I had 33 squadrons and had a little bit more time to interact with some of the governmental agencies, and we work in close partnership with the United States Coast Guard, the Department of Natural Resources here in Maryland, as well as the same licensing and operations that other states in our area. And uh, they have a, a national organization known as National Association of State Boating Law Administrators. Well, when you add up all the people in the state level and the Coast Guard level and the Power Squadron level, turns out we have about 80,000 persons who are interested in safe boating. The public is 80 million people that do some type of recreational water activity. Mm -hmm. And so we're outnumbered almost 8,000 to one. Now, what happened this year in Maryland is extremely alarming. Our death rate on the water doubled. Maryland usually has... 10 deaths per year on the water, recreational uh, people who use the water for recreational activities. This year it was 24. So we're looking at some serious, serious problems that need to be addressed. And most people, who the people that are killed and the people that are involved in accidents, have never had a safe boating course per se. They just it's, they go to the dealer, the dealer hands them the key, and off they go. Well, but that's changing because now Mm -hmm. they've passed. Most states have laws where you have to have a safe boaters course. Uh, From the from my perspective personally, though, the safe boaters course is now down to a couple hours, and you get a card from the state, Mm -hmm. and that's not enough time to actually learn safe boating. It's a little perfunctory rather than actually educational. John and Tony, the uh, the uh, state um, boaters and the power squadron have come come together as well as uh, the marine trade associations and one of the companies brunswick corporation which is a major major marine manufacturer mm-hmm. has signed an agreement with the power squadron to back the power squadron's educational activities at the level of their dealership so many many dealers boat dealers are, are interacting with us and in in supporting yeah. our educational program. And Bernie, all kidding aside, no jesting, uh, you know, our message isn't this is uh, Safe Boater Week, there's 51 other weeks in the year to go get yourself killed. It's 
that we're going to focus on this week so that you spend the other 51 weeks of the year vigilant from what you're going to learn on this week. That's that's the big difference. When any, Anything that makes it to the national level and has a whole week devoted to it tells you that it, there's a prominent right. issue and fatality and injury and maiming, and these things need to be addressed. So we set aside a week, try to make people aware of that. And just like when you go to church and you say a prayer, it's got to carry you for the other 51 weeks. Our message isn't be safe this week and... You know, go out and get yourself killed. What what most people don't realize is, you know, we live, the people in Maryland especially that vote, Maryland is not the leading vote register, the leading state with registered votes. Michigan, I believe, has been that way. Minnesota. Minnesota? Mm -hmm. Michigan's lighthouses. Okay. Minnesota now has has more licensed votes than any other state license, I mean, registered with the state authority. Now, let me, let me tell you about Maryland, Minnesota. Okay, just a minute, Marty. Mm-hmm. In Maryland, there are about 200,000 registered boats on the, on the waters of Maryland. Mm-hmm. And if you put five people on each one of those boats, an average of five persons mm-hmm. per boat, you're talking about a million people on the waterways of the state of Maryland. Mm-hmm. And I would venture to say less than 50,000 have had a boating course of some sort or another Absolutely. to make it safe out there. You know, it's driving around the Beltway, either here in, in Baltimore or in Washington or in Philadelphia or on I-95 going up through Wilmington, Delaware, and all that. You know, that's a madhouse. But you put these people out there on the water, and it's a zoo. Yeah, it's even- You know, you don't have lanes. You don't have toll booths. Mm-hmm. Most people just get in and zoom. Off they go. Well, and- I had an opportunity to represent the United States Power Squadron. At the uh, National um, Safe Boating Council um, Tiger Team, the Tiger Team was studying how to wear and use life jackets. Believe it or not, the government does not want to legislate the use of life jackets, but in one state, Minnesota, they enforced the use of life jackets for a year and there were no recreational boater deaths wow why would they not uh why would they not want to legislate that when they legislate seatbelts in cars i mean lifeboats are kind of like the seatbelts in a boat you're right well they are well the answer and this is this is from from their perspective they they can't enforce it they have no they do not have the personnel to enforce it. Yeah, but you know what? And so they have to they have to but, rely on voluntary uh, participation, cooperation, and they want us to encourage and be the mechanism of having people follow by example what we do. Let yeah, me but, make let, let me make two points, gentlemen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and before that, first of all, we're we're here in the studio with uh, members of the Dundalk Power Squadron, and we're talking about safe boating. Uh, this is National Safe Boating Week. Uh, my point one, I just want to go back a little bit, make my first point, then my second point. The f- point one would be, it was interesting that uh, you said that uh, dealerships are starting to uh, interact with you, uh, with your programs for people that buy boats. Uh, my second point is, uh, if uh, with the life with the life vest thing versus seatbelts, you can't legislate it because... There's no one to enforce it. I think in both of those points, couldn't there be some sort of uh, uh, statute made where the United States Power Squadrons, in conjunction with the United States Coast Guard, are tasked with uh, 
the purpose of of sort of policing that. I, I mean, I'm, that's a tough word to say, but you know, um, we are we are not a governmental organization. Correct? I understand that, but I I I'll tell you this, uh, and I think you're exactly right. If if you make it a law, okay, then instead of have these agencies out there looking for somebody who doesn't have their hall numbers displayed on the proper quadrant of their boat or or some you know, ancillary issue, you're exactly right. You make uh, not wearing a life preserver a uh, primary offense, and it gives them an opportunity to pull you over for something that's more substantial and less of a harassing type of thing. And, and that kind of vigilance, I think, is better received by the public. So I, I, I agree with you. I think a life preserver is a, is a barrier uh, uh, to against against death. And, and I agree. When they say that, you know, because of enforceability, well, you know, there's all kinds of things you can't enforce. The main thing is you're trying to get vigilance. And most people, if they know it's a law, will say, hey, buckle up, it's the law. Hey, put your life preserver on, it's the law. And it, it sort of self-polices. It's really not about policing by, by uh, you know, the actual police policing. It's about awareness and, and laws. But, have but then what's going to happen, you're going to have the, the, the bathing suit industry come down on you. Well, I was going to tell you, uh, you know, motorcycle people have to wear helmets, right? The fact is, if you had to wear a helmet in your car, okay, you'd be even safer, uh, even though they have airbags and seatbelts. Yeah. But there has to be a line of which you mitigate well, it to a point of safety. Right. And a life preserver is... Oh, no, I totally it, agree. There is another safe. issue that, that does come up, and that is if you have an enclosed cabin boat, uh, they will tell you if you're inside the cabin, if you go inside and go to sleep, well... You really don't want a life preserver on then because that may trap you in the cabin. Uh, well, let me j point out something else, too, that's happened. That you, you, This, I think, will answer your question. When they looked at the fatalities and, and all that accidents, the people that had had boating courses did much better than those that did not. But I want to talk now a little bit about those that had boating courses less than one-half of one percent of, of the deaths and the injuries that occurred on boats were caused by people that had taken power squadron courses. The other 99.5 percent were uninformed were uninformed or people who had not taken our courses. Well, I would, th I would think, I'll, uh, final thought before we had the break, but I, 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 mean, I would think it's almost like uh, you know, accidents in, at an intersection. I mean, you know, I, I have seen, uh, you know, in, in my own communities where I've lived, where, you know, people complain and complain, we need to light this intersection because of the accidents. We need to light. And sometimes, and this worries me, is it's not until somebody very important to someone in the legislature gets hurt mm -hmm. at one of these intersections, does a stoplight go up? And, 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 I, and, and it's sad, it's sad to think that maybe that's what it takes before they they make some sort of law out of it, I just you know I I, I don't get where there's no connection between seatbelts in a car, life and life vests on a boat. But um, we can explore more of that um, it, you know after the break if we want. Plus, we want to get into some fun aspects, so we're not sitting here you know uh, <laughs> with the fear of the boat <laughs> out on the boat and have some fun. So yeah, uh, just a, a couple uh, quick announcements before I take off the break here. Um, we are on. Uh, uh, lined up here in the studio, we have uh, members of the Dundalk Power Squadron. We're talking about safe boating, and we're gonna we're gonna try to force them to, to 
talk fun here in a minute after the break. Also coming up later on, Case Stout is interviewing Matt Krevitt tonight right here on the show. That's coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. Uh, so that'll be a very informative interview for people who are looking to break into the sports field uh, who don't have any athleticism. You know, there are lots of other things you can do in the sports business other than playing on a field. And uh, Matt and his new book, Get Into the Game, uh, we'll be talking about that later on with Kay. Um, so all that's coming up. The number to call in is 866-417-4359. Uh, 866-417-4359. Uh, also, you can join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash behind the mic. That's uh, M-I-K-E. And uh, also, if you stop by Facebook, uh, very sad news come out an hour ago. Uh, Robin Gibb of the Bee Gees has passed away. Uh, lost his long battle with cancer. And uh, on the Facebook page right now, what was or what is your favorite Bee Gees song? Uh, chime in. Let us know. Tell us all about it. The discussion is going on. Uh, as for me, we're going to go get a drink here. And uh, when we come back, <clears throat> some fun aspects of uh, boating and boating safe on the high waters uh, with uh, the gentleman from the Dundalk Power Squadron from our locality sister state here in Maryland. This is New York Super Oldie Station, 920 WON, The Apple, Brooklyn, New York. Are you ready for some more Joel Mahalik show? I'd better not. Uh, I have what doctors call a little bit of a weight problem. I have the irrefutable proof that the earth is not flat. Here it is. If the earth was flat, don't you think cats would be on the edge of it knocking off? A new episode every Sunday at joelmahalik.com. This message is for all of you sitting in the passenger seat. And apologies if it gets a little uncomfortable. But how does it feel to be at the mercy of someone who thinks a random text is more important than your life? Someone who takes their eyes off the road while speeding along in a three-ton hunk of steel. Freaky, right? Well, why not just ask them to stop? Or better yet, volunteer to text for them. It might be a little awkward, but believe me, you'll live. Learn more at StopTextStopRex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Broadcasting from a crummy little studio in Baltimore, Maryland. This is Reality One Radio. You see why we need your donations? And welcome back to the program. It's Behind the Mic Show. It's National Safe Boating Week, and we're here with the uh, the folks from Dundalk Power Squadron uh, talking uh, about that. And uh, before we went to uh, break, we were talking about some of the, the negative connotations about it, uh, and, you know, life jackets and things like that. And uh, you guys had mentioned that uh, the the sad thing is is that uh, water related. Uh, deaths have, have doubled, more than doubled in Maryland. And it, is that statistic uh, uh, relative to the national level, or are, are we doing any better on, on, on the larger scale, or is that? Um, on a larger scale, the number of deaths throughout the country is about the same. Wow. And the, the, the yeah. shame is that it's not because of somebody crashing into another boat. It's because somebody has gone out and capsized a boat. They didn't have a life jacket on, 
or they have gone out and been run over by a commercial vessel, yeah. or they have just run into a storm, sure. and the storm has taken them out. Yeah. Very rarely. Now, true, there are boating accidents involving collisions of one or more boats, right? two or more boats, really. But the statistic, I believe, is that people have fallen off a boat, people have capsized a boat and drowned, or people have become... Uh, the, the boats have been turned over because of weather. And as you said before, when you were talking about the Weather Bureau, 48 hours, the weather on the bay could change in a heartbeat. Oh, you're not kidding. In a, when this you're morning, of, I was out on the kayak at 6.30, and it was a mirror finish on the water. By 9 o'clock, it was blowing 25 knots. And, and don't forget, and I think that's a statistic, that I believe it's boats under 24 feet. They're, they're more vulnerable to the capsizing. Yeah. They're more vulnerable to to they don't have the space to store the the life preservers and people then make that compromise. Uh, One of the issues with the life jacket law and just mandating it is that there are boats, you know, you're in a 12-foot Boston whaler going out crabbing and you're going to be leaning over the side of the boat. You ought to be wearing a life jacket. Right. You're in a 60-foot yacht inside having lunch as you, you steam into the harbor the crabs for you and, <laughs> right and you know so well why do i need a life jacket in here right. um and that is one of the issues where it becomes difficult to put into code uh you know if you say well every boat under 20 foot well guess what everybody who makes a 19 foot boat is going to be up in arms foot. and they say well every boat under 18 foot should have it right um, and that is one of the issues. Now, the, the flip side is, and I guess the libertarians would say, uh, we shouldn't have to tell you to wear a life jacket if you're in a 12-foot boat out in the middle of the bay. Oh, John, right. every it once should be a, plain common sense. Every once in a while, you'll see a cowboy riding a boat, and it'll be sitting up on the gunnel trying to steer it, and it makes a turn, and somebody gets thrown out, flipped out on, right. on the side. Right. And occasionally, he gets flipped out. Yeah. Right. And, and another issue uh, with the smaller boats, and again, that's where the majority of the fatalities are, uh, other than, you know, very unusual things like boat explosions where it might happen on a larger boat, uh, is lanyards. And a lanyard is a device mm-hmm. you clip to the boat. Uh, if you fall overboard, if you fall back in the boat, if you fall away from the helm, the engine shuts off. Kill switch. Right. Um, and now they have uh, wireless lanyards that you don't even... You, you plug something into the boat, you put the other thing on your belt, you can move around the boat. There's no string attached. If you go so many feet away from the helm, the engine cuts off. Hey, but talking about talking about And lanyards, you are. It's like airbags. Right. Just on a, on a funny side about the lanyards, remember the time that Rick was up off of gunpowder and uh, he couldn't get his boat started? So, all right, we'll roll right into that. So this is, this is a friend of ours in the power squadron, and he takes his boat out and... It just cuts off as he's running across the bay. And he, you know, he's sitting there. He's got his wife and young son there, and they're bobbing along. And he calls a marina, and they say, well, try this switch and try that switch and do this and do that. And he ends up, he calls Cito, and they're bobbing along. He starts to get seasick. His wife, who's not a boater at all and just kind of goes along with him to go along with him. She's fine. His son's fine. He has to lie down on the deck because he's turning all kind, of, all shades of green. He's laying down inside the boat on the but bottom. Laying inside, deck. you know, it's a, a open deck boat, about twenty five foot boat. And as he's laying there, after having called Sea Tow a half an hour ago or Boat US, tow, Towboat US, whoever, 
He looks up and he goes, I've never seen that switch before. <laughs> <laughs> Flips the switch the other way and the boat starts right up. <laughs> wow. I mean, this, is, this is just, I think, one of the uh, strange quirks of being a boat owner. There are things on your boat that you know they're there, but you don't know where they are. That's, that's, uh, that's really the point. John, I've had my boat 35 years, and I'm still discovering but new that's, things that's about it. That's the point. You guys are really hitting the point. <laughs> I, you know, really, honestly, it tells you how inexplicable things are and how they happen. Everybody's prepared for things to go perfectly, okay? Mm-hmm. And the littlest thing that you – the little nuanced things, that's the things that happen when you're not prepared for that – that they get you. And a prime example is you're talking about those kill switches. This guy left our marina, okay, and he goes over to Baltimore yacht, get gasoline, and the next thing I know, he's being towed back. And he's he says, I don't know what happened. I got I have gas. I got gas, and the and the, and the boat won't start. And this old timer our marina said, you "Have any kids on board?" And the guy said, "Yeah." He said, "Check your kill switch." Sure enough. Because the kids tinker with things, kid hit the kill switch, and the guy didn't understand the mechanics of the boat, and those are the kind of things that lack of familiarity. So if if you just go to the fundamentals and you understand mm-hmm. the fundamentals yep. of what you're doing, it's always back to fundamentals. Oh. And here you go. Now that's a nothing thing, right? But this guy got towed back, went through all that mm. because he didn't understand the fundamentals well, of how his boat operates. How many times has this happened to you? You get on your boat and it won't start. Never. And then you yeah, you discover you discover that you know you don't have the detent set on your gear shift that she's not she's not locked in neutral. Right, never happened. Never it's happened. Never oh, come happened. on, Tony. Yeah, yeah docking. <laughs> that's where I have most of my problems. My wife T- Tony I- has a <laughs> for the new boaters out there. Uh, and Tony started really getting into boating about the same time I did, not long after it. And Tony described to me how you dock the boat and you bring it into a crowded harbor. And maybe it's windy and you're not sure if you can get tied up. So then, uh, Antonio, you can jump in at any point here. No, it's just, so it's you, just, so it's what he does is he begins telling his crew louder and louder what to do. Mm-hmm. And what this does is this gets everybody on the other boats up out of their boats to see what's going on. Right. right. And then you have the whole marina there to help you tie the yeah, boat up. It's like uh, you, all you see is just, just this row of people with boat hooks standing there trying to fend you off. Uh, honestly, uh, I, my wife then, and I have, have filed for divorce probably then you, then you every time we've docked. Tony, then we tell you now, Tony, you're going between this boat and that boat, and right. this boat costs $2 million, and that boat costs yeah, just got, a little got, under three. I got $3,700 tied up in my boat, and I, and, I, and I got $2 million riding on getting this thing in that slip. That's pressure, okay? Hey, Tiger Woods, Jack, they don't know what pressure is. You got a $3,700 boat and a $2 million boat on your port side and a $3 million boat on your starboard side. That's pressure, okay? And I got a crew that thinks that I'm raising my voice or you're too hyper, your blood pressure, you have a heart attack, everything but just holding the line. Believe me. No, pressure pressure is when you buy a boat for the first time and you pick it up and you're 80 miles away from where you're going to dock it permanently. Oh, yeah. When we bought our sailboat in Solomon's, I got a couple of those people in the squadron to come with me. And one of them was a senior past commander, Clark Clugston, God rest his soul. But we came back. We left Solomon's at 7 o'clock in the morning, stopped at uh, Haven Harbor to get fuel in mid-afternoon, 
cleared the Bay Bridge at six o'clock in the evening, and we thought we should have put it. We probably should have put it into the Magathy. What kind of boat were you on? My sailboat. Mm. My twenty-six foot Grampian. I suggest you get a well, boat. That's Bernie. You you rag. I mean, that's, a, that, that's a, like an hour and fifteen minute trip. <laughs> well, that's true. I know, but we sailed it. We sailed into the Inner Harbor at eleven o'clock at night. Got in, and I when we went into the Inner Harbor past the Key Bridge, uh-huh. I turned to Clark Cluxton and I said, "Gee, I'm awful glad you're here. It's nice to have somebody who's been into the harbor." with us a lot. He says, yeah, but this is the first time I've ever been into the harbor at night. Oh, my and, God. Oh, God. And here's all these lights flickering and blinking. Oh, yeah. So we're lined up on the on the, the uh, channel markers and lined up on the ranges for Fort McHenry. We got into the marina where we're going and made a 180-degree turn, dropped the main. And the thing that got me in more trouble than anything else was we sailed it into the wrong slip. We went into the slip next to where we were supposed to be. Thank God there was nobody there ahead of us. So we didn't have to worry about that. But this this was an introduction to me of how much fun the squadron can be because we had a great time on that trip. Right. And also the people in the squadron, they don't care what size boat you're in. Right. You could have a 10-foot kayak. You could have a 14-foot aluminum rowboat. You could have a 90-foot cruising yeah, it doesn't make any difference. A boater is a boater is a boater, and the idea yeah. is camaraderie. And it's not just for the adults. Sure. The kids are expected sure. well, to, how- to come to the, the different outings. The families, bring your kids because we have activities for children. Well, how about the gentleman in Kingsway Squadron? has a 97-foot broward, right. okay? He's got a cook and a professional captain and a, and a mate, okay? And he's just as happy talking to somebody with a 14-foot rowboat. That's right. Warren Stevens. But he's, a, he's, only got, he's only got a professional captain because he's a little uh, older in years and he needs a right. little... He help physically with help. the boat, boat yeah. because otherwise he's a boater and he's running. Oh, he's a boater. He's he not a, that boat. He's right. not a yachter. That no, he's a boatsman. Uh, uh, Tony Tony Richards has a, a statement. Tony. No, I'm just going to say, uh, you know, you guys also have some awards and some of your banquets for some of the funny stories that go on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> we have the busted shamrock, and it's given to the guy that pulls the biggest blooper. During the year, like one day we were going up a river and we see this head floating out in the water. And that's all we saw was a head. Oh, jeez. Yeah. And, um, but it was attached to one of our, actually it was attached to our squadron commander at that time. Who was that? That was Walter. He wrapped up a crab pot on his boat. Okay. And he was, he was free diving under his boat, which is 50 some foot long, trying to pull his crab pot off. Meanwhile, they got uh, live power lines in the water, and there's nobody around him, and he doesn't even have a life jacket nearby or a rope tied to anything so we could retrieve his body if something happened to him. And he's just very comfortably swimming around trying to dislodge a crab pot. (laughs) And he he was magnanimous enough that the squadron commander gets to give out the busted shamrock. So he actually ended up giving it to himself for that because uh, it it wasn't a smart idea to swim at a marina under a boat with nobody spotting you. Or how about the time I was so excited to get to my boat, I drove into the gas station, filled up the car, drove off. And as I got to the road, I heard, you know, as I came out, I heard a pop. I said, what is that pop? And I looked in the rearview mirror, and there was the handle of the uh, the nozzle of the gas tub sticking out of the side oh of my, my car. God. You know, you know, 
you know, all kidding aside, but not. Uh, one, I docked a lot of boats this weekend. It was our opening at our club. And one of the single biggest mistakes people make, besides letting their wife handle the lines, that's probably the single biggest mistake. But that aside is people will get a bow or a stern line. And I'm telling you, anybody listening, use your center cleat. Use your breast Absolutely. cleat. Absolutely. Okay? If you get a line off of your center cleat, the person at the helm can turn that boat on a dime. So what happens is if the wind's blowing, the guy gets you a stern cleat and the boat's, you know, mm-hmm. askew. He gives you a bow cleat. Okay. And people need to understand that the pivot point, the fulcrum, is in the center of that boat. And Correct. that cleat is placed on that boat specifically for that point. And I would tell you that 90% of the boaters, when they come in docking, now when I come in, it looks like one of those World War II movies where they foam the runway and mm-hmm. okay, sir, so pull back on the stick. Don't panic, you know. Get the siren going. They're foaming the runway. But the point is, is that that the center cleat, okay? Yeah. If you can get that center cleat, you have complete and utter control of the boat, and yeah. people do not realize that. Yeah. It's counterintuitive, but that's the place. Throw it from there. You have the boat under control. Then you can work your way out on the boat and get it all tied up and nice. But people try to, they actually try to get the boat tied up rather than under control. Well, talking about that, Tony, you know, one of the things that a lot of people don't realize is that the wind is your friend when you dock. And they do not appreciate that it's your friend. It's your wife that's not your friend when you dock. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm talking about that. We've all had this happen. We've gone on cruises. I have the wind. Uh, we've gone Tony, do you need a place to stay tonight? <laughs> uh, yeah, Tony. You, yeah, you be yeah, careful I'll, at my house. I'll be living on my boat the rest but of the But how come, hey guys, how come your wife always knows to call when you're docking the boat? That's a, ha- that's a hazard of owning a cell phone. I mean, who tells them that you're docking the boat? My mother just and called then the you, other And then day. they say, well, you didn't answer. My mother just called the other day and said, Mom, look, I know you got chest pains, but relax. Like, I'm trying to dock the boat in. Okay? <laughs> Call 911. What do you want me to do? I'm down here docking the boat. I'm taking my nitro glycerin myself. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm stressed out enough. <laughs> and I got to have a chest pain. Go Come get on, call your you know? doctor. What the heck? <laughs> that's terrible. So uh, the the thing is that there's uh, you know uh, the the fun of boating uh, you know outweighs obviously you know uh, the horror stories and whatnot. Oh sure, and, uh, but not by a lot. Not by a lot. Yeah, do you ever, do you ever do a road rally? Do you ever do a road rally? No. You, okay. Well, you, at the road rally, you know, at the end of the day, you sit down and you talk about what it was like. You know, how bad the curb was. You went around. How fast you could do. So you or, or it's like an after ski party. You know, gee, how we did this turn and how we did this slope, etc. That's the way it is with us. When we get together afterwards, we we sit down, we have a couple beers, and we do not drink while we're operating our boat. Never. And that's that's so that is a no no. Oh, absolutely. Especially when you're out in the you know clear skies and high sun. Yeah, and you oh. got that right. And they, this, this is a side or a statistic of that. They said that one can of beer on a boat when you're operating right. a boat is equal to six cans of beer yeah. when you're sitting on your boat. Well, think about it. You got all your equilibrium. That's right. And, uh, your you got the sun, terrible. the wind, the why, motion of the boat. Why don't you ask us when we don't go out on our boat? All right, when don't you go out on your boat? We don't go out on our boat on a Saturday or Sunday afternoon between 2 o'clock and 4 o'clock. And especially if it's a bright, sunny day. Because every amateur. Because all the wackos are out there. 
That's right. That's right. Yeah, is that the truth? Sure, and make them less whack out. If we're out there, it's because we're responding to a call. Yeah, we're coming out to help somebody, and we're really afraid. Is that two, is that two p.m. to four p.m. thing a statistically true? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. That is statistically true. Wow. You were talking about the the, the awards that uh, are given out at the dinners. Everybody, the four of us sitting at this table, oh, we all had been nominated. I'm not. A, I'm not a winner, but I'm a nominee. You haven't never. No, no. I oh, will fix you. I'm okay. sure. Yeah, would you like it? You never got it. No, I never got it. John, was, we got two candidates right here. But there are there are squadrons, and Bernie can attest to this. Being district commander, he's he's been to some of these dinners over the years to see what goes on. Mm. And the one fun thing about being in our district, District Five is there is a district award for the boat that comes in last and the squadron that comes in last oh, in the, the annual navigation, navigation yeah. contest. We've well, I that thought too. that's where Bernie was going with his road rally story. Uh, it's a time, speed, and distance type uh, event, and the last leg of the rally is to get to predict how long it's going to take you to get back to the starting line. Within you, a second. Within a second or less. Now, years ago, when I first joined the squadron, I happened to be at a, an event, and there was a fella who was a past commander in the Northern Virginia Power Squadron. Mm-hmm. He never, ever won a navigation contest. He always came in second or third, a couple of seconds off. Mm-hmm. His wife got highly indignant because this is like eight or nine years in a row they didn't do this. They didn't never won. The guy owned, the family owned four funeral homes in the Virginia, Washington, D.C. area. They sold one of the funeral homes. He spent a million and a half bucks on a big 35 or 40 footer that had all the latest equipment, things like this, and he finished last. Oh, he got sourpuss. The squadron got sourpuss because oh. of him finishing last. Oh, that's bad. Now, that's a no no. In, in, the, in the district, though, this, it used to be that to get sourpuss, you were your squadron was frowned on, but years ago, our squadron made it the hit of the boating season. Oh, yeah. uh, Sourpuss, we won it a couple of years in a row. We even had Sourpuss get married. And we had a wedding for Sourpuss. We had a wedding for he Sourpuss. Married, he married Vera. He, uh, yeah, his yeah, beloved. Remember? Yeah, his right. beloved. The, the gentleman that was the squadron commander that year was an ordained Lutheran minister, yeah. and he performed the wedding at the <laughs> district event. But what we have to tell you, Vera was a character from Southern Maryland, right. and she had a marina, um, and this marina was very exotic. Vera was a silent movie star, starlet, and that's where she made her money back in the 1915-1920 period. But Vera ran this uh, um, marina complete with peacocks, banana trees, and, right. and things like that. And she had long, flowing hair yeah. that went down to her knees. Right. And when she finally passed away, she was still working the restaurant, greeting you with her moo-moo and her big bear hug. <laughs> no, this is down at, uh, what's Kate the name Charles. of it? No, no, she's, no, it's on St. Leonard's Creek. St. Oh, Leonard's okay. Creek. Vera's White Sands. Yeah, White Sands, that's White. right. And she was a character. We, we, we run into a lot of characters out there. Yeah. I do. I'm sure you do. <laughs> Go. Uh, um... In about uh, John, in about five or so minutes, what what I'd like to do because uh, you know we've I think we covered a lot of stuff, but 
uh, before we finish the hour, so in about five minutes, just uh, some really important information where that people, I think, need to know and understand is how the United States Power Squadrons, including yours and all the rest, can help them uh, as far as uh, boat checks and things like that. I think it's important that we make sure we get that information at websites, places they can get a hold of uh, of you and things like that. That way we don't miss that opportunity before we uh, close out. Certainly. Got it. So. Oh, okay. You said it in about five minutes. I thought you meant it. Oh, no, 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 no. No, we, we have about five minutes for that. Let oh. me give you a real quick story. I do vessel safety checks. And uh, what a vessel safety check is, it's a free courtesy inspection. A United States Power Squadron or U.S. Coast Guard Auxiliary member will come on your vessel, come to your vessel if it's at your house, will come to your house, and we have a checklist, the same checklist the Coast Guard uses. And we'll go through all the items you're required to have. And if you don't have something, you have a question, we'll explain it. If we can't explain it, we'll find out a better answer for you. Right. And make sure you have everything. Uh, then there's also a list of recommendations. Like uh, you're not required to have a radio. However, if you're out on the water, you should have some sort of communication. And a cell phone only works some of the time. Right. Um, and we'll go through that. You're not required to have a first aid kit. A lot of people are surprised at things you're not required to have. You're not required to have an anchor. People say, well, I don't fish. I don't anchor out. I say, okay, if your engine breaks down, what are you going to do? Drift into the channel right. for two. I'll right. take drift into the channel for two. Then pray and hope somebody comes. And, and, and hope that your cell phone, you can figure out the number of the ship that's coming down the channel. Right. And you've got the radio, too. So. We go through all that, and it's a courtesy inspection. If you pass, you get a sticker that says you passed for this year. Right. And, you know, the Marine Police, the Coast Guard know you're interested in, in safe boating, and you've passed the inspection. That doesn't mean they're not going to board you, but if they're looking to write tickets that day, they're probably going to go, that guy probably is okay, and they're going to pass you. Um, and find, you know, the, the guy with uh, six six girls in bikinis on the boat that sticker's not going to get you out of getting stopped if you've got that going on right um, so price you pay you know john it made me think really that's that's probably the key you don't wear a life vest pfd life preserver people say all the time well i can swim yeah. you don't go in the water when you when you jump in the water, you take your kids swimming, you put the anchor out, and, and everybody jumps off the side of the boat. That's not an accident. The water is not your when, friend. Right. When you go into the water, right. expectedly, it's because you've probably been banged in the head or you're in some situation where you can't swim. That's why it's called a life preserver. It's not called a swimming preserver or, or a swimming aid. It's a life preserver. And what people need to understand, just like a seatbelt, oh, I'm a good driver, that has nothing to do with it. Absolutely. In the water, it's an inherently dangerous situation, and if you take the precautions to make yourself safe, a life preserver being one, as you say, uh, with a seatbelt in a vehicle, airbags, if you just follow these things, what's going to happen is you're going to have a really good time, and when something goes wrong, you're going to have the best possible outcome from a bad time. But I'll tell you what, if you're not prepared, you're going to have a horrible outcome for what could have been much, much less. Let me, let me, let me tell you a funny story about that. Uh, one day I was going down Middle River in a, in a fast boat, and we were making about 24 knots, okay? And it was an open boat. And I had six nuns in the boat, all with habits on. And uh, the DNR saw, he couldn't believe it. 
he saw six nuns go whizzing by him at 25 knots. <laughs> so he gave chase and he stopped us. He wanted to see the life preservers. The each of the nuns held up their life preserver. So, <laughs> and he couldn't believe it. Yeah, so, it was a true story. Wow. Joel, you asked what we can do to help out. So well, do you, that. Where and, people find you to get their safety checks? Uh, but, uh, best address or phone number, you know, uh, online presence? It's a national website, and it's run by both the Power Squadron and the Coast Guard Auxiliary. And it's called safetyseal.net. And you can go on there, and they can and the exams are on there. They can answer your questions if you send them an email. There's a link you can click on, and they'll find an examiner in your area who will get in touch with you to come out to your boat. Mm-hmm. Uh, some marinas and yacht clubs will have a day. That's where we, uh, Saturday, we were at a local uh, marina, walking through the marina and offering vessel safety checks to everybody as a group. Very nice. So that's safetyseal.net. Now S-A-L for AL for seal. S C A L, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Joel, yes. I just want to ask you. I just the last thing I wanted to say add to this is, uh, honestly, when you're docking, remember the center cleat because that keeps a lot of anxiety out of it. Gives you control of the boat. And if your wife is on board, try to get her involved as little as possible. Try to call ahead. <laughs> Try to keep your wife out of the mix, okay, and get get some help from the marina call ahead, foam the runway, center cleat, and just really, if you're going to have a good time once you get docked, that's, it just don't get your wife involved, at least. Well, we're going to... We're going to definitely, we're going to have these tips mentioned on the blog. And, of course, this website, safetyseal.net, plus the website to the Dundalk Power Squadron, all listed on the blog. Uh, guys, I do want to thank you for an hour of uh, pure entertainment and a fast hour at that, unfortunately. And there it is, kiddies. That is the, our flashback segment, taking you back to look at boating safety for National Safe Boating Week, which is right now in the midst of this podcast, the 18th to the 24th, and which is on the heels actually runs right into uh, Memorial Day weekend. So there's going to be a lot of people traveling. There's going to be a lot of boats on the water. Uh, So I I also want to take a minute to remind you that we want you to be safe. We want you to be safe not only on the water, and that's why we did this flashback uh, with all this information about safe boating. We want you to be safe on the roads. Get into where you're going. There's no reason to be in a rush. There's no reason to have road rage and anger. Everyone can get to where they're going, and especially if everyone stays safe. So I am asking you to please be safe because I want you to come back and listen to more of the show. I don't want you to have silly accidents and get hurt or even worse. Make sure everybody is buckled up in the vehicles when you're traveling this weekend. Make sure that everything is secure And make sure you're not texting or paying attention to anything while you're driving. Let somebody else handle the phones and the radios and the navigation controls and everything else and deal with the kids and the pets and everybody else that's in the vehicle. When you have multiple people in the vehicle, let the driver drive and everybody else handle the rest. But be buckled in, be safe, and that way you can get to where you're going and have a good time and you can get back to reality next Tuesday. Uh, which is the sad part, but we want everybody to be safe. And so, now also remember uh, my new 
thing that I've been doing lately at the end of the show, uh, people are going to be going to parks and beaches and recreational areas and out on the water in their boats and jet skis. And do me a favor, wherever you go and whatever you're doing, pick up three pieces of trash when you leave. If you see trash, pick up three pieces minimum to help make this a more beautiful place. Make these recreational areas a more beautiful place. You enjoy going to these areas, these beaches and these parks, and then help keep them clean. Okay? Don't wait for someone else to do things because everything starts with one action. Everything starts with one action. That can be your action. So you're going to parks, beaches, wherever you're going. Pick up three pieces of trash or more. Help make the world a more beautiful place. So um, we want everybody to enjoy themselves. And remember how you get here to the show. It's JM Talk Net. JM Talk Net. That is the website. Be sure to subscribe. And you can uh, download the shows, subscribe, never miss an episode, subscribe, share, subscribe. You can take it with you. If you subscribe today, you'll be able to download all the past episodes to your device and take it with you. Also, you can tap into the 24-7 streaming resource of Joel Mahalik, the show. So that's another option there. Plus, you can visit the blog Look at my op-eds that I've written over the years and all kinds of things. And you can also visit me and Sharon on Facebook at Facebook.com. We're at JM Talk and also on Twitter at JM Talk Radio. So they are the different ways uh, that you can reach us. Also, if you want to send us an email, you can. It's Radio at gmail.com. Or you can text us at 484-429-6061. Next week when we return, we'll have a new hero and a new Wombat of the Week. And uh, it will be in the midst of the holiday weekend. Uh, So uh, if you subscribe, you will definitely not miss that. It will chime up on your phone when it hits the internet. Uh, New episodes every Sunday here at the show. So I want to thank everybody for stopping by for another episode of Joel Mahalik Show. It's another one in the books. I'm glad you were here for it. I hope that you have you can take something from this flashback episode uh, as far as safe boating goes. And uh, we're really hoping that you have a really good holiday weekend next week. Please have fun. But most importantly, before you can have fun, you have to be safe. Okay, so be safe out there. Love one another. And we will catch you on the podcast next week. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody.